You're listening to the Underdog Sports NFL Show with host Chris Horwadell and Mario Hines. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Each week, Chris and Mario welcome current NFL stars and discuss the biggest news from around the football world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Underdog Sports NFL Show. I'm Chris Horwadell, joined by Mario Hines. How are you, Mario? I am really good after watching and predicting the Super Bowl semi-correctly. I'm feeling great. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, let's talk about that. We have a Super Bowl champion. The Kansas City Chiefs topped the San Francisco 49ers 31-20. to How'd you feel about the game? I thought it was a really good game. It was entertaining. I think the only thing that made me disappointed or or not connected was the fact that, you know, based on what I – thought was going to happen the offense of the Chiefs was a little bit delayed and that kind of irked me but as far as game quality I thought it was a really good game yeah I think the one thing we really learned from the Super Bowl unequivocally is that you do not want to have Kyle Shanahan as a coach on your staff if you're trying to win a Super Bowl he will do everything in his power to not I don't know he's not taking risks that's cliche he's not it just doesn't look right I'll put it that way I don't I haven't put my nose on it yet but the offense just doesn't look ready to take the game. Yeah, you know, it seemed like they had some interesting stuff early. They were really trying to get Debo Samuel involved in the offense. And with a lot of success, actually, he was their, the, their best runner for uh, probably the whole first half, I would say. And certainly their most effective runner for the entire game. And that just kind of went away. You know, they're, he ends up being their leading receiver as well. Five catches for 39 yards, not exactly game breaker type numbers. Kittle has four for 36, and uh, Kendrick Bourne, the uh, the leader in total total receiving yards for the 49ers, two catches for 42 yards. Uh, what uh, what happened? Because this, this did look really good for those San Francisco 49ers up to a certain point. They have a 2010 lead, looked to be in control of the game. I think uh, could people who were betting the game live could have made a, a killing on uh, on Kansas City to win when they were currently when they were down 20 to 10. What happened to San Francisco? Why do you think that uh, they allowed Kansas City back into this game? I think they let Kansas City back into this game because they had no choice but to to do that. I think mm. Kansas City more so was playing uh the Niners game and I don't think the Niners expected that. Uh, I don't think the Niners had a game plan to um put their foot on the necks of mm-hmm. Kansas City. I think they played their offense. I think the Debo Samuel thing was, I don't want to say brilliant. I didn't see it coming. I thought, um, mm-hmm. I didn't think that he'd be the person that they go to, to, to get the spark, but boy, was he ready. So yeah. shout out to him. But I think, uh, they didn't go back to that well too often. Uh, I don't know if he wasn't prepared or, or it, it, it was a thing like that, but, uh, San Fran, San Fran just didn't have the one thing that they needed to have. And I pat you on the back and give you kudos. They didn't have a quarterback that could change the game or make, Mm. I feel like, interject, intercede, intervene in the flow of the offense and say, this is what's necessary right now, coach, uh, and let me make the play. Or if if Kyle Shanahan had the play call uh, that he wanted for Garoppolo to actually get it done. There were a couple of throws that we were talking during the game, and I'm like, you just can't, if you're trying to win the Super Bowl or or trying to be – you know, a quarterback that's leading a team, you can't make that throw. You can't make that decision. And I think that mm. happened more times than not. And they they didn't go to Mostert that, that often, that early. And yeah. that was strange, too. 
Mostert gets 12 carries for 58 yards. This doesn't surprise me even a little bit. Uh, the hype around Raheem Mostert was always going to be ridiculous after that conference championship game. He's just not that good. This is a, a very mediocre, this is a replacement level of running back, maybe slightly above that, who was thrust into the national spotlight, and all of a sudden he was, the I think, the third favorite to an MVP in the Super Bowl. Absolutely crazy, people throwing their money away. Um, you know, this probably wasn't the most exciting Super Bowl we've seen in a while. I guess better than last year just by default, but certainly doesn't right. rise to the levels of the Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl a couple years ago. And I don't say that just in a biased uh, way. I would also say that that, uh, that Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl was a heck of a lot more interesting considering all of the scoring and what ended up happening. What was your enjoyment level of this Super Bowl like? Where Did you, uh, did you have a good time watching it? I had a good time watching it. I thought the commercials were fine. I think the crowd mm. that I was watching it with were, uh, were a dissecty group. Uh, I'm in I'm in Boston, by the way, for the mm. week, uh, and so I was around some um, progressives, for lack of a better term. I guess I don't yeah. know what type of folks <laughs> these Boston folks are these days, especially the student of the student variety. And uh, then you know, I guess the got pulled that the commercials are are less like geared towards outright funny and just more geared mm -hmm. towards like outrageous or weird so that was one thing but football wise i think what kept me on the edge of my seat was that once i realized that kc was not being themselves offensively that i'm looking at the clock like when can this offense not wake up or right. when you know how, how long how long is it going to take for this offense to wake up and when is it too late and I, and that was the game i played internally and that was fun for me uh, i even told mm -hmm. um my good friend i said um they cannot go into this uh, this halftime uh, half 10-10. I actually told uh, Mike Myers, who joined our show uh, last season, um, all the way from Germany. He's a Niners fan. And he's like, I'm like, they can't go into this halftime 10-10. It's not a good situation, regardless of what anyone thinks, uh, because that is that is a, like a, a lead for Kansas City, I think. And then yeah. when they were only up by 10, I believe it was. Um, and I said, if Kansas City scores their first, this next touchdown with five 30 left, they'll win this game. And that's why I sent you that bold text. They score with 613 or yeah. so left. And I'm like, oh, okay. There's still enough time for this team to do exactly what they're capable of doing. So that was fun for me. Well, and this was also a situation where Kansas City was kind of in exactly the place they needed to be, given how these playoffs have gone, finding themselves down significant margins in each of their playoff games this year. It's just a matter of time to let offense kicks on. You know, Mahomes was kind of terrible in the first half. Garoppolo was pretty terrible in the second half. From that perspective, not the most interesting Super Bowl ever. You know, you don't have a you don't have a guy throw for 300 yards. Garoppolo's only at 219, Mahomes at 286. Mahomes two touchdowns to two picks, Garoppolo one to two picks. Not all that fun. And you, we were we were talking back and forth uh after the Damian Williams 38-yard touchdown run. You know, who should the MVP be when it became clear that it was going to be Kansas City? I think we were both on the side that it probably should have been Damian Williams. Yeah. Are you surprised that Mahomes got it? Surprised? No. Yeah. Uh, in, in the sense that I, I think we talked about it a couple times leading into into the game. It's like if Kansas City wins, you know, it's got to go to Mahomes to mm. whatever would allow them to win outside of some historic defensive effort and then with San Francisco if they were able to beat Kansas City it would go to the quarterback as well outside of some Herculean effort by the defense so I think I'm not surprised but deservingly like 
Damian Williams did a lot early on when Mahomes wasn't uh, playing well. Uh, Damian yeah. Williams was converting. He was finding tough yardage. He, I think he found extra yards on a on more than enough plays in the first half to keep you know drive from if they didn't score they didn't they didn't feel like discouraging drives you could get a first down because of how he was setting you up with his runs and so i thought that all that considered plus that long touchdown to cap it that it was it was worth giving it to damian williams yeah 17 for a 104 yards rushing and a score for williams on the ground also catches four balls for 29 and another score yeah, it seemed like it was probably his MVP, but at the end of the day, he's Super Bowl champion, and I I don't think he cares all that much. Were you surprised at all by sort of the lack of offensive creativity in this game? And I'm not just talking about the trick play variety. This was uh, just a very run of the mill, almost you know, almost to some degree, an NFL preseason esque opening up of the playbooks. We just didn't see anything spectacular. Kansas City refused to test that 49er secondary down the field until, I guess, the fourth quarter. They just refused to throw the ball down. I And I get the, the only trick play, a quote-unquote trick play we saw, was when everybody just spun in unison. What would you think <laughs> of the actual play calling? Oh, that's a great point. And for you to, to measure it up to preseason is actually spot on Chris because I've never seen in a game so important so many curls and hitches yeah especially from Kansas City there was a lot of just spotting up and that you know I think creates boring football I don't think the t- either team was ready to to mix it up in terms of this is the stuff that I tr- absolutely trust my players to run and be successful on or an absolute matchup win and that's what starts to get uh creativity in the playbook this is my matchup so i'm gonna automatically assume my matchup's gonna win it's just in this scenario and none of those i thought came about maybe here and there with sammy watkins i think he uh did more work than the the play call did on a few plays Mm -hmm. but yeah absolutely I wouldn't go as far as to say vanilla, but definitely more on the uh, timid, not wanting to show everything, not being willing to show everything side of the play calling. If you're not going to show everything in the Super Bowl, when are you going to bust that out? When do you show it? I mean, it's 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 the honeymoon, you know, like if you're not going to have an awesome time with your partner where you're at, then when are you going to do it? Same thing with the Super Bowl. And also, we saw another trick play actually get foiled. There was supposed to be some double pass that uh, Debo yeah. Samuel uh, wisely uh, did not toss. I think it was Debo Samuel. It was. Oh, yeah. So uh, they got him involved early. But, yeah, so it was like outside of those things, which like the double pass is almost so one per game is so almost routine at this point that it's not mm-hmm. even that deep into the into the playbook. Yeah, and Samuel makes a a great read for a rookie in a Super Bowl, really an incredible read. When that isn't there, he recognizes that, and he uh, he pulls it down and goes for the run instead, actually picked up like eight or nine yards. I imagine it's very difficult to be in that situation and not throw that football. Oh, my gosh. In that situation, you're likely running – the the repetition from practice in your head 15 times yeah. to the point where you're really just like on your on that third step you're letting it go no matter what you see no matter what's going on um ironically it looked like jimmy g did some of that with some of the play calling it was like i'm just gonna throw it to where i was supposed to in practice under pressure under duress without you know showing some poise and right. i definitely applaud uh debo for that because 
as a rookie, I mean, to be to be called on early and and for that to have a decision, have to make a decision early, definitely mm-hmm. applaud him. I wish he would have threw it though. Yeah, I, like how many opportunities are you going to get? You have to be a little selfish in that situation, maybe. I, I know he's a rookie, so uh, plenty of career ahead of him, and certainly a promising one at that, which hurts me to say as he was yet another guy drafted after J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. But <laughs> how many opportunities are you going to get to throw the football in the Super Bowl? Like, oh, man. I would have had a hard yep. time not throwing that ball. Hell, let's go back to uh, what Ronnie Brown just randomly decided to throw the ball during a, rank, a run play. Like this was actually right. called for Debo Samuel, <laughs> right? So I don't know. I, I I'm with you. I I think I would have took my chance to to throwing a completion in the Super Bowl over over making the wise play. So you know, kudos to him. I guess. Well, good for him. Uh, nothing. Uh, you know, n- despite the fact that it wasn't exactly an offensive shootout, we did, as you mentioned. Uh, as you, I believe you predicted what happened, the under did come into play. It was a 54-and-a-half number. We end up at 51, and really only 51 on a cheap score at the end. Nothing all that interesting happened defensively. You know, Jimmy Ward leaves the 49ers in, uh, in tackles. Brashad Breland, the Chiefs in tackles, only seven for Breland. Ward had 11 for the 49ers. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Ward moving forward. He's one of a, a number of really good free agent safeties this year. He says he wants to stay at safety, preferably would like to stay with San Francisco. But, you know, who knows if that is going to be able to happen. You have guys like uh, like Anthony Harris and uh, Justin Simmons and Jimmy Ward and uh, num- HaHa Clinton Dix, numerous right. others I'm forgetting. This is a really good safety market. Do you think uh, San Francisco is going to pony up? For Jimmy Ward, I don't know. I think I think eventually they do. I think eventually he stays, but I I don't think it'll be something where they they make sure he feels good about uh, being snatched up off the market and, and being their number one guy. If anything, he's a one A, and I think they're they're willing to see who who they can get in this market, especially like uh, the name you mentioned, Hi Clint Dix. I think is a guy that you could probably get for cheaper, yeah, uh, and and still get some similar some similar uh, results. Uh, on the field especially you know you you have a front four like that that's doing a lot of a lot of dirty work for you you can you can succeed as a a natural instinctive uh safety i am such a gigantic anthony harris fan i think this is the best player in the nfl who the average fan doesn't know is actually a superstar it's going to be interesting to see what he gets paid it's going to be interesting to see what happens with ward his uh his coach is now the defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, and that team happens to need a safety. So mm-hmm. we'll see if uh, they're going to target Ward, their new general manager. Andrew Barry says that they want to be defined by their aggressiveness in free agency. So we shall we shall see. Uh, we shall see. <laughs> uh, I guess wrapping up the Super Bowl, I want to hit on something that you touched on earlier, and that is uh, the commercials. Less of a uh, a spectacle than they have been in past years. What, what were your favorites? Which ones did you like? I think my Cheetos one was the favorite only because it connected with nostalgia. Plus, like mm-hmm. that, yeah, I re- genuinely feel that way when I'm eating Cheetos. Like I don't want to touch anything. I want to just continue to eat my Cheetos and lick my hands, and that's it. And I think uh-huh. they did that well. Um, a little partial to the uh, the Massachusetts. Um, dialect accent commercial um mm. let's see Is any, anyone else i don't know I, I guess those will be the two the the running theme i caught though 
Chris was uh, playing with our nostalgia, playing oh, with yeah. our nostalgia hard. I think for sure. I you know I'm I'm a big Groundhog Day fan. I thought that was a, that was a really fun commercial having Bill Murray and uh, Stephen Tobolowsky back together to recreate the the movie. And I think the the one I liked the most, and it didn't really end up even being a commercial. Uh, was the one where they actually integrated into the kid running onto the field at the end to give the game oh, ball yeah. to the official. And that was, I thought that was the best thing that happened all night, game included. Absolutely. Way. Good call on that one. I I forget it happened in, in a strange way, but that was so cool. One, because the kid is a legit, legitimately doing well in his sport and seems to be an awesome kid. So what an opportunity. And for that opportunity to turn into another opportunity for a bunch of other kids to be a part of the Super Bowl and run on the field and yeah. be surprised by that. I think that was well done, well orchestrated. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, football has come to a close and the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions, but that does not mean that the action is going to cool down one bit in the sports world. There is still plenty going on. We've got basketball. We've got hockey. We've got UFC and just so much more. If you're into any of it, visit our good friends and the exclusive partners at Podcast One Bet Online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure you use that promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% sign-up bonus. What an absolutely incredible week we have in front of us. I could not be more excited about this. You know, We talked about basketball and hockey and that stuff. Let's talk about college basketball. How about Seton Hall Villanova and Duke North Carolina this weekend? And the UFC? Oh man, Jones versus Reyes Saturday February 8th. It's going to be a spectacle. To get in on all of that and so much more, visit betonline.ag and don't forget that promo code PODCAST1. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Mario, we're back and uh, the Super Bowl now behind us. It's time to turn to the 2020 NFL offseason. Two interesting stories that came up yesterday are really indicative of the, the direction the football the football is going. And that is that the, the Cardinals are likely to release David Johnson and the, the uh, Rams are looking to trade Todd Gurley. Two years ago, there's an argument to be made that these are the simple... I My ability to speak has fallen apart over the last five <laughs> It's minutes. okay. Five, uh, two years ago, these there's an argument made that these are the singular two best running backs in football, and now they're just kind of anchors uh, to their teams, dragging them down with the salary not matching production. Are you at all surprised by either of these, and do you think the teams end up moving on from either of the players? I think they're trying to, so I think they will succeed. Not surprised, especially David Johnson, you know, yeah. too much, too, too much to deal with, too many injuries, too much to try to figure out with him. Not worth uh, spending or shame, even trying man. to. Yeah, I know, right? And, and 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 sadly enough, football from the football perspective is really not worth the effort to try to get him involved at that level to make the yeah. the the results match the uh, the production match the the pay. With Todd Gurley, man, I think the writing was on the wall. I think uh, the injury kind of the 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 most recent injury kind of got 
got to him and got to the staff and when he wasn't able to do much in that Super Bowl and then followed up with not much of a of a season of a splash I think it was like okay our window's closing so maybe there's a shift so we, I think we can see this coming I believe he might find another home and and do some damage uh with the right with the right trade suitor so I'm not down on him as a player but I do think the the Rams will move on it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Gurley because that contract he signed a couple of years ago is really going to be a problem in terms of trying to trade him. He signs that four-year $57.5 million deal, $21 million signing bonus, $45 million of that guaranteed. So, you know, you are never saving money by cutting Todd Gurley effectively. He is on the books until 2020, the 2023 season, which is his final season, like, I don't I don't know if there's going to be somebody to take this guy on at this contract. I think the Rams might be stuck. Ah, do you really don't think that there's someone out there an OC out there, maybe a young naive OC that's saying uh hmm, I can I can make this the top girly of old or even reinvent top girly and willing to take that price tag on? I don't know. Um, that is a significant price tag for a running back in today's NFL and you're also taking a gigantic risk that you can turn him around because if you do that you know and make this trade then you're all of a sudden you are on the hook for paying this guy a a ton of money i just i don't know it's crazy because we're talking about a 25 year old but well what is the what does surprise you to to know that like there is a really good chance todd Gurley is never going to run for more than 1305 yards in a season uh, I'd be willing to put that money down, put wager that one. It's it sucks because the the talent level at such a young age was there, and yeah. who knows if there is something to say about uh, how much how heavily he was used at Georgia and and and, and any other thing. In the but injuries, in the injuries. That's what. I, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it's as sad because we're numb to it at this mm. point. Like this is the life of the running back, and this is the life you chose, but. I want to see Todd Gurley succeed. And I think he can get. I, can, I think he can. He can put up a fifteen to seventeen hundred dollars split, a seventeen hundred uh, yard split between running and receiving in the wow. right in the right scheme at this age. Wow, fifteen to seventeen. So let let's see. Um, in his best season, Gurley had two thousand and ninety three yards of total offense. He's the next year. Uh, he went for eighteen thirty one. So only twice has he really gotten above that range. Every other season would be fairly significantly under it, the capping mm-hmm. at about thirteen hundred yards. I wonder. I wonder if Todd Gurley needs to be like a. It needs to be a Markel Fultz situation where he just needs to take his time off. He needs to come back in a situation where he is not the guy who was relied upon. If Todd Gurley is part of a running back by committee kind of deal, that could be interesting because there's still plenty of time for that. But do you remember an instance of a guy who was who who was so good, then suffered injuries and fell off only to make it all the way back to the mountaintop? To the mountaintops, you like that part of it is a is a hard no as far as my remembrance. But I'm trying to think: is there a guy similar uh, running through my head? And I'm sure there is. 
There definitely is. Like a Thomas Jones, maybe a. uh, That's interesting. uh, I know that's not even a a great name because Thomas Jones was a very good football player for a long time, and his game changed when he got to the Jets, and he was able to do something with it. But uh, let's see. But even Jones, okay. So I'm I'm surprised by this because you said Thomas Jones. I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me. But he goes, you know. He goes from season to season, goes up, goes up, goes up, goes up, goes up. He's all the way up to 1335 in that great season he had in Chicago in 2005. And then mm-hmm. it's down slightly to 1210, down to 1119, back up to 1312, back all the way up till 1402 in his third year in New York. And then it's kind of over for him. He uh, only starts 10 of the 16 games for, uh, for Kansas City, ironically in 2010 and uh, you know is done after that second season in Kansas City. So it when you said it it totally it totally made sense to me too. I don't know if it applies. It right right and I seen that you when you break it down like that yeah it's it it it, it doesn't necessarily go one the high I don't think is was ever as high mm-hmm. uh but he Although also he, was he has more yards in a season rushing than Todd Gurley ever did ever did it's a weird thing but i think maybe maybe the t- sign of the times and, and we were hyping yeah. running backs to for being like able to keep the position alive rather than you know carry the burden but i, I don't i think i don't think thomas jones ever fell as hard i think that that was one yeah. or to two seasons uh, it's, it's such a shame because these guys todd Gurley and david johnson should be amongst the you know top 10 players in the nfl today only to have their their careers really, and I mean, obviously, Gurley still has a a fighter's chance, but to have their careers put at risk due to injuries, and uh, we just we don't care about running backs anymore. It's just the world we live in. Yeah, and and I'm having a hard time actually feeling bad for Todd Gurley. I just as a oh, fan want to see. Yeah, he's doing all right. <laughs> he's fine. I just would like to see a football player be as good as he was supposed to be, or or he was for a bit. So that's kind of my only like downside to him falling off as a player is like, geez. Then now I got to go. Hopefully, see another good player come around so I can be entertained. Well, let's talk about another really good player who is uh, potentially uh, in a similar situation to these guys. So I'm going to be really interested to see how his market plays out. And that is Derrick Henry, who has said, look, the floor for my next contract starts at what Zeke's making. How terrified would you be to give Derrick Henry a boatload of money? Not doing it, and mainly because... I don't care how much of a physical freak you are. You, in the style of play, are destined to see a yeah. major, major decrease from one season to the next. It's just going to hit that hard. That is how runners like him work. That is how this league works. And I would not put down a bunch of money to make sure I get a Derrick Henry. No way. No, I can't think of many examples of players who ran like that, who had those great careers. You know, I maybe. Another Tennessee running back comes to mind immediately in Eddie George. Mm-hmm. But even George, George was flat out donezo in, in 2004 as a 31-year-old. So he, oh, you know, it was, that was it. It was over. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of not so great the year before that either. His last year in Tennessee only goes for uh, 1,000 yards on 312 carries. Yeah, the carries were ridiculous. Man, 
This was a very different age when Eddie George played football. His career carries. You know, we live in a world where, like, we don't want to get guys over 200 at this point. We'll, okay, Eddie George. Here's his career carries by year. 335, 357, 348, 320, 403, 315. I remember that year. Yeah. Insane. Uh, 343, 312, 132 that last year in Dallas. Just Oh my goodness! And by was the way, was the four hundred three the MVP year or, or whatever that year was for him? Four. I was two thousand. He was. He was never MVP. Yeah, not MVP. Well, he did, Pro uh, Bowl. He it was, was something. He he was. He's a four time Pro Bowler. He's uh, the uh, and that must that must have been his All Pro season. Yeah. Yeah. Only had one. The uh, the Philadelphia native, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, four hundred three. That's insane. And the other thing. Eddie George, we remember this guy as like, oh my God, unbelievable. Hall of Fame running back. Eddie George averaged 3.6 yards per carry for his career. He had, he, only two of his, I don't know, nine seasons, it looks like, one, two, three, four, five. Only two of his nine seasons did he run for over four yards a carry, and each of those was 4.1 yards per carry. And this is a bit, has been my gripe. For Eddie George, my entire childhood going into fandom of, of, you know, teenager to adulthood with Eddie George, it's like he's never, he's never been, a, he's always been a load carrier yeah. and he, 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 he beats you up over the course of a game. He may rip a couple. He'll rip that 16 yard one that made you feel yeah. like he's doing something, but he's never been a guy that actually completely dominates you. And I've always felt that was very interesting that we we revered him in, in that way. Yeah, his uh, th- you make an excellent point. And I wondered where you were going when you said never really rips that long one, but then you said 16 yards, and I was totally back on board. His rookie year in 1996, he has a long carry of 76 yards. Eight more years in the NFL, what do you think his longest carry was in those subsequent eight years? The longest carry had to be like, 42 yards, if that. And I'm being very yards. generous. Yeah. <laughs> 40 yards. For his career, uh, his longest yard, his longest, longest carry by season, 30 yards, 37 yards, 40 yards, 35 yards, 27 yards in a season when he runs the ball 315 times, <laughs> 35 yards, 27 yards, 28 yards, uh, 24 yards, excuse me. Like, Wow, my my memory of Eddie George is so skewed. I want to compare this to a guy like Jerome Bettis. I want to see what would bust his long carries were. Would would you think more or less? I think it would be more, probably on par average wise. But I think he has a couple more uh, chunks than uh. Okay, so so bust average is three point nine yards. Uh, per carry for his career, another sub four yards per carry. And this is another case where, you know, he had his big seasons, unlike Eddie George. He had the 4.9 as a rookie, a 4.5, a 4.4, a 4.8. Never got into the fives. Mm-hmm. And, and again, we're talking about, you know, really a superstar running back. His long carries, again, the longest is in his rookie season, 71 yards. Then he goes, oh my God. He, oh, Jerome Bettis in 1994, this is one of the most incredible stats I've ever seen in my life, carried the ball 319 times. His long carry was 19 yards. My goodness. 
I, I honestly believe if you gave me the ball 319 times, I at least once I would get 20 yards. Just once. You would think like a double first down. No, the <laughs> analytics on that have to be ridiculous in this day. Like, how can you not? You would never make it past any type of, like, the threshold for your signing, your, what you're going to make in the league would be so low after a season like that. Yeah, he was a pro bowler in 1994, carried the ball 319 times for 1,025 yards, three scores, and averaged 3.2 yards per carry. Again, he was a pro bowler. We really loved running the football. That's what that tells you. We loved it. I guess. And and we like unique because obviously Bus didn't look like everybody else and he didn't play like everybody else. Good God, how do you, 19 yards was his long carry. And he had other years where 21 yards was his long carry on 246 attempts. That's, uh, it makes sense. It's it's very sad. And I'm, we, oh my God, it can never happen again in this day and age. Who else? Who who else comes to mind? You think like those bruisers, the Eddie Georges, the bosses, who who was another bruiser? Hmm. I I know Emmett had a ton of long yards. At least in my yeah, mind, he, he, he had a ton. He, had a ton. he broke him off. I mean, this guy's not necessarily a bruiser, but he was definitely like a one cutter guy. Garrison Hurst. I know he had that one ninety nine yarder that went down in history or whatever that was, but I think that was actually a catch. I don't know. But uh, um, Hurst he had a ninety six yard carry in nineteen ninety eight, and then he yeah, missed the next that, two seasons. Yeah, he was never so, a, like he never broke off runs. Um, I'm no, just trying he, to think of guys he, that were kind of like... He's a 4.4 guy. You know, a 4.4 for his career, and he caught the ball really well. He did. Oh, man. The, I feel like every team had a guy like that. I mean, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, like a guy like Natron Means. Uh, right, that right. <laughs> That's a great name. I'm going to go team by team and try to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, I like, I want to I want to settle this before... The, and Natron, 3.7 yards per carry for his career. Right. What was, he, what he was all, Deuce Daly? That's interesting. Natron, in 1994, just like uh, Jerome Bettis, also makes the Pro Bowl averaging under four yards per carry. But unlike Bettis, he scored 12 times, not three times. Deuce Daly football. Deuce had some chunk plays, but he also had a lot of those chunk plays, at least in my mind, as an Eagles fan, were uh, through the the air. Yeah, like screens, right? Yeah, Deuce. Oh, what such a great screen player! Deuce goes a a long of sixty four, a long of sixty, a long of fifty seven. Wow! At least four yards for his career. All right, okay. this we're gonna figure this out. Then we're getting out of here. Um, Buffalo, Buffalo. Who who's the running back in Buffalo? I'm thinking of Buffalo had well, Thurman Thomas. Thurman Thomas. Thurman. He might have got. He might have given you forty. Every and Thurman was not a big guy. Season. Thurman. No, he, but he definitely was guy. like a. He was a between the tackles guy. Oh, for sure. All right, uh, 4.2 for his career, and he goes long. His long was 80 in 1990. Other than that, he doesn't break anything above 49, but these aren't, like, embarrassing numbers right. for Thurman Thomas. Um, Jets not really. Dolphins not really. Uh, oh, how about um, uh, Curtis Martin? That's another guy who I wonder that if That is a guy a who never broke him. He was just consi- he would give him 31 carries, and he'll make you mad. Yep. Curtis. Oh, man. He's another. They, Curtis carried the football. They, he did not waste his time in the National Football League. In, <laughs> in the 11 seasons he played, he carried the ball 3,518 times. Averages four, averages four for his career. 
Uh, long of 70, also had a 60, and then nothing. Oh, 56. So very, very respectable. Um, mm-hmm. Titans, no. Colts, no. Jaguars, no. Ravens. How did the Ravens? Well, I guess that was that. That's a weird history. Uh, right, the Steelers. Right, right. The Steelers was bust. The Browns or the Ravens. The Bengals. What? How, the Bengals. I feel like there's who is the the good running back for the Bengals? Corey Dillon. Co- Corey Dillon's interesting, but I feel like he did have some. Yeah, some I think he broke runs. off some like longer runs. Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, Eagles, Cowboys, Giants. Uh, Redskins, Saints, Falcons, Redskins. Stephen Davis was Stephen Davis breaking them all. Stephen Davis is a hell of a name, and I honestly forgot he was a thing. <laughs> Another short career for a really good player. Stephen yeah. Davis averages four point one for his career, long of seventy six. Other than that, uh, no season of anything above forty. So great call on that. And let's see. Let's just let's just finish up through this. Uh, Saints, Falcons, Bucks, Panthers, Packers. Who was uh, the Packers running back in those uh, those Favre teams? Was um, it was Green and who was before Green? That's what I'm. That's who I'm trying to think of. Who was right before? Oh, uh, Bennett. Was yeah, it, uh, it might have been a Bennett. I'm. I'm gonna. All right. Well, I'm. I'm gonna look at that up in a second. The other teams we have. You can feel free to think about these for a second. Vikings, Bears, Lions, 49ers, Seahawks, Vikings, Rams, no way. Cardinals. <laughs> All right, Packers, we're going to go back. We're just going to pick a random season. I'm going back to 1995. Great. This is back in the era of uh, of Natron and Bettis make the Pro Bowl under four yards yeah. of carry. And at 95, the Packers lead. Edgar Bennett. Absolutely. Edgar Bennett. Bennett. I wanted to go Michael Bennett, too, but you're, uh, you're 100% right. Edgar Bennett. Another like really really short career, and he only has this one season in '95 where he uh, carries the ball 316 times. His long for his career, uh, 43 yards at nearing the end of his career too. So, wow, good for him. Um, yeah, it's like it's a different era in football. Uh, we so they did not have the Alvin Kamaras and uh, and those type of players. I mean, for for every every uh, guy like Barry Sanders, the other the other five Pro Bowl running backs were much more akin to Jerome Bettis. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Crazy. All right. Here, let's you are a Lions fan. Let's let's close on this. And this I think this has weirdly become very interesting. Barry Sanders, five foot eight, two hundred and three pounds. Not he yeah, not a big guy by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but one of the great playmakers in uh, in football history. What is Barry Sanders' longest carry? Uh, it's got to be 68. 85, and he Jeez. also hits an 82, again, nearing the end of a career, which ended uh, ended very early. Barry Sanders, five yards per carry for his career. That's, That's just amazing. utterly unbelievable. How many times? All right, Barry Sanders plays one, two, three, four, five, plays 10 seasons in the National Football League. Uh, very durable guy. Really only misses five, six, six, seven games. Misses seven games in ten seasons. Wow. At at five foot eight, two hundred pounds. How many of those ten years does Barry Sanders have a long run of fifty or more? Out of the ten, we're gonna go seven. 
Seven is correct. What a... I, I envy you. I genuinely envy you that you got to watch Barry Sanders every it single was, week. It, it, he, he's the reason why I'm on this show right now because he's the reason why I played football. What was your reaction? Let's, let's cut back to 1998. What's your, uh, what's your reaction to hearing Barry Sanders is hanging it up? I didn't believe in it, and, and, and the, it was a it was a statewide disbelief. Like maybe it was everyone thought he was just socking it to Bobby Ross, but would eventually come back yeah. because at worst he wanted the record. He wanted to be the all time leading rusher at at, at worst, mm-hmm. and it was so strange when um, Bob Bobby Ross says uh, when it, he he just made, made an arbitrary day. If Barry doesn't come back from this uh, on this day. Then we're moving on. We'll have a new starting running back, and he's like not welcome back, and all for for lack of better you know explanation. And that yeah. day came and went, and there was not a peep from Mister Sanders, and that was a sad day in Detroit. Yeah. It was a dark day, dark day, man. It was just over out of nowhere. Thirty years old, just done. Just Did he make done. the right decision? Um, I mean, it's a, I Knowing don't what think we know about running back shelf lives. <sighs> I don't think he never took the shot. Um, yeah, or at least we never saw a shot that we would call the shot. Uh, so for for that, I say he made the right decision. But I honestly think, for football wise, football sake, and even for him, I think he would have liked to um to have been the the lady all time leading rusher for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think personally, he would have liked that. It certainly would have felt right, and uh, I, that's that's it for us this week. But uh, I would be remiss. If I did not also mention that Eric Weddle announced he was hanging them up, and uh, Eric oh. Weddle goes down as one of the great safeties who people don't consider one of the all-time great safeties. Yeah, yeah. what an amazing player! What an amazing player! What a heck of a career! All right, that is it for this week's episode of the Underdog NFL Show for Mario Hines. I'm Chris Warwardell. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.